This episode is brought to you by Squash Clothing and Sugar Life. Welcome to the Overly Excited Podcast, hosted by Jack Watts and Dale Sidebottom. Two friends with a passion for life, learning... And all things that get them jumping out of their seats. <laughs> all right, everyone, welcome back. We are on. Jacko, how are you, mate? Good, mate. All Good. right, so overly excited. Episode number two. My name is Dale Simon, joined by my co-host, Jack Watts. Now, Jack, I hate it, and I shouldn't have said that then. I just predicted what I'm going to say, but I hate it when people say, how are you, or what's news? Like, it's too open-ended. It's a rubbish question. So what was the thing that made you smile the most in the last seven days? Go deep. We want to go deep on this podcast. Okay. What's made me smile? Um, well, I learned that I got my tax return. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. We're, we're going to talk about money. On a this nice podcast. little something came in. And the reason that made me smile, Dale, <laughs> there is a reason behind it, is I'm off to Europe next Saturday. Yes. So a little bit of extra spending money never goes astray when you're off to Europe. Yes. So nice little healthy tax return and... I put together some furniture without it taking 14,000 hours. And, <laughs> flat packs? Um, yeah, flat packs. Oh, mate. It was a nightmare, but I got it done in, you know, under an hour. So that was that was a good result. Made me smile. Great accomplishment, mate. Well done. <laughs> what about yourself? Uh, what's made me smile? Um, I've had a, just a really good week. Um, I think sometimes when you, you, you're really busy, you know, for so many years I've been busy, 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 mm. and I'm really allowing myself now just to slow down and be present. I've got two young boys, and um, yeah, it's been really nice. Young one, Banjo's crawling around everywhere, and he laughs, and I don't know, like just allowing myself to be present and not worried about producing things or being busy or making money or you know doing like i've always yeah. felt i would that imagine you would find it pretty hard to switch your brain off so but, bad yeah. mate and it's been something i've really been working on yeah. just to allow myself that it's okay and it's actually a good thing yeah that you don't always have to be working really hard yeah. um yeah something i'm still working at but i think i've yeah when you ask that question obviously i've been able to reflect that i am getting better at yeah. it and i am enjoying myself more as a person because I'm more present with the people that yeah. I'm that I supposedly should be instead of being elsewhere so I care if you make any money back me being <laughs> present let's rock so episode number two now um this is really exciting because we know each other from obviously we mentioned in episode one from the gym I've never listened to your other podcasts I've only seen what everyone else saw um obviously you know when you got drafted and your life in spotlight so I want to go a little bit deeper and I want to get to know you. But also, I think this episode is an opportunity for you to share things that people may not know about you. Um, and obviously, you're going to do the same for me, hopefully before you jet set off to Europe, mate. And then you come back all golden brown and green. <laughs> so let's get straight into it. I want to know the upbringing, mate. I, I know you're from Bayside, beautiful Bayside. We live mm, in Bayside, mate. We're very, very fortunate in uh, Melbourne. What was your family life like, mate? Good family? Were you like... When you were born, were you predicted like, wow, that's going to be a rooster? Look at him, he's the number one draft pick. That's like Clive Waterhouse. Like, is that, was that going to be you? Clive Waterhouse. I still think he's the best number one draft pick ever. Yeah, Sorry, man. He's outstanding. <laughs> uh, he's got the best big melon on him, too. Um, no, look, my upbringing, my childhood, uh, yeah, I mean, as good as you could possibly hope for, really. Um, you know, I, I won the uh, the happiest baby award at the hospital that I was born. You know, so I was happy, Jack. Is that a the, thing from the very beginning? Yeah. Well, so so my mum tells me anyway. <laughs> um, and then you know, yeah, grew up in Sandringham, two sisters, parents together. You know, had had your normal challenges like everyone does, but you sort of look at them in in hindsight, and it's it's um, you know pretty minuscule compared to what a lot of people go through and. 
and yeah, just lived a very happy life. Grew up, went to Sandy Primary. You know, was pretty pretty good at school and good at sport. Reasonably intelligent, and um, you know, didn't find school too difficult. Um, I got held down in like four year old kinder because I don't know. I think I was like over excited, I guess. <laughs> and um, they, yeah, really, they, yeah, they they sort of didn't think that I was ready to go to primary school because I was a bit of a psycho. <laughs> And, um, and I think that really helped me because, you know, I went, I ended up going to school and I was sort of born in March. So I was on the older end of the scale. Whereas yeah. if I went to school the year before, I would have been like the youngest kid at, in yeah. all my year levels. And I think, you know, just having that extra year under my belt when I went through school, probably having a bit more, I was, you know, I guess bigger than some of the kids. I mean, I'm bigger than most people now, but, um, it, I think that helped me, like gave me an extra year and, and then, um, and yeah, just just a, a very good upbringing. You know, went on some holidays as as a family. You know, a lot of camping, and um, you know, dad always encouraged me to get out there and take risks and have fun. And um, he was pretty conservative as a as a person, I think, growing up. And he, you know, I think they had their challenges a lot more than we did. His mum and dad came over from England on the boat when he was five or something. Um, four young kids and you know had to work two jobs and pretty stressful sort of upbringing and so I think he wanted to give his kids something different you know relaxed and happy and it was funny because he sort of pushed me out there to you know be pretty confident and all the rest of it but he probably wasn't himself or hasn't yeah. didn't live that life so um you know that that helped me and and um yeah, I think like we we were just told to you know be be kind, be appreciative, be grateful, have fun. Yeah, that was sort of the upbringing. So, you know, until I was sort of finished school, it was it You're was pretty normal. Yeah, like was there were you cocky at school? Like were you because obviously and we'll talk about mate, you got an MBA. Mm. Like you're very smart as well. Mm. Like people won't know that probably about you. We'll, we'll dive in there, but <laughs> obviously very good at sport. And one of the funny things I got from you is you, you actually football wasn't your traditional. You didn't like that as much as basketball. Mm. Like, what what made you not? Because you were very good at basketball as well. Yeah. And like, we, we'll talk about not just sport, but it must have been a hard decision when the number one thing you wanted to do, you chose something else to do as mm. a profession. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I hope I wasn't cocky. I hope that the people that knew me, I mean, I certainly had a little air of arrogance when I was, you know, winning everything and <laughs> twenty grand finals and best and fairest. All that. But, <laughs> you, still, um, you don't have your trophy still, do you? <laughs> no. Nah, like nah. best and fairest under twelve, Sandy's and Brazil. Nah, not one of those people. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the footy basketball thing. I mean, basketball was like my love, and and like from a very young age, that gets like very serious. Whereas footy, like you just playing with your mates, having a bit of fun. You know, you don't really get into like a. Um, elite program as such like a dragons or sandy dragons or whatever until you're 15 16 and whereas basketball you're sort of in these squads of you know vic squad at under 12s and vic squad at you know ais um vis vic squad and all the rest of it from a really young age and and then i was sort of in the you know started making australian squads and and you know you're going on australian camps to the ais at 14 15 wow. and what was sorry? What was that like being like away? Like, cause you're young. It was full on, yeah. yeah. And that's something I struggle with. Like, I can remember, I was on a on a Australian camp. It was like a twelve day or something at um, the AIS, and I I was just had my first girlfriend ever, you know. <laughs> 
and like oh, more important than being the AIS basketball for Australia. Well, I literally <laughs> left. I, I le- went home like three days early because I couldn't. I was missing it too much. You know, like it's pretty. And that weird. relationship's going well still. Well, not not quite, but we're still good friends. <laughs> went right. to her yeah. wedding. Nice. Um, you know, um, but yeah, it was just like. I don't know. I think I always just sort of felt like other things were more important than, than, than sport. Or I'd always put my mates or friends or almost like having a good time, being a good person, like always put that in front of sport. And whether that probably didn't help me in a professional sense, like, you know, you see the really successful people, they're the ones that are just able to yeah, focus, block everything, out. Block everything yeah. out. And it's their one, you know, it's their thing in life. Yeah. Um, I think when I started, yeah, obviously started playing AFL and, and things didn't go so well early and yeah. it wasn't like a very good environment and I certainly wasn't having any fun, any fun, that made it really hard to like knuckle down and put in the extra hours when and like dedicate it. every all my yeah. life to it and sacrifice all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I probably tried to live a bit too much of a balanced life once with, I got there. With that though, sorry to interrupt, but what you're saying with sport, you know, we look at sports people, men, women, whoever, that dedicate their life and they are so selfish with it. It's that's praised upon in mm. sport, but when you look at life, people that are like that are selfish. Mm. They're arrogant. They're narcissistic. It's such a contrast yeah. and contradiction, isn't it? Yeah. Have you thought about that? Um, no, it's an interesting thought. To, I mean, I probably have at some stage, but it is interesting just how much we, you know, the the weight that sport carries in society, isn't it? Like yeah. the pack, like people. The way they admire these sports people. It's well, like, that was you. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's still strange that, you know, pe- I. it's strange to me that someone would be sitting at home and, and that something that I would do on a field would matter that much to them. But, yeah. you know, it does. And I guess I guess I can get it because I'm obsessed with basketball and, you know, F1s now and golf and stuff. So if I, you know, if I see a golfer or a Cam Smith or something, yeah. I'd be like, you know, <laughs> yeah. how cool is this yeah. like, so it's like I can get it because it's their passion you yeah. know these people love footy and that you're playing for their team so yeah it's interesting but I, I can always remember like Chris Judd he was sort of my idol growing up and you know I just remember him sort of saying like the fact that we're role models like we don't choose to be role models and obviously we are because you're in the public eye and there's a but you know, it's sort of like he didn't want anyone looking up to him and idolizing their life around what he was doing. And, you know, I remember him saying that. It's sort of like you understand the responsibility you carry, but at the same time, you don't ask for it. Yeah. You don't, you know. You don't get trained on it either. And everyone says, oh, you get paid shitloads. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you have to do that. Like, doesn't mean it's okay though. Oh. Like, and do you know what I mean? You've trained your whole life for something. You don't get trained in, you know, people idolizing you. Yeah. Or, picking up every little thing you do and we'll get into more about Melbourne but I want to know like what was the top basketball like mm. what was the pinnacle that you played and second part when did you go right I've got to stop to mm. focus on footy yeah it was a pretty sort of key moment I reckon I was I was bottom age under 18s and I'd made the Vicks eight under 18 squad for, um, for, for footy ba- for basketball basketball and you're I, a freak you know? yeah <laughs> well this is when I was playing this is when I was sort of at my peak basketball yeah. and I was in year 10 and I was playing first 18 footy and I was just dominating this Vic under 18 basketball team it was sort of all through training you know like getting ready for this big tournament you know national tournament and I was on fire and Friday nights I was scoring 40s and 50s and wow. um, you know a year out of my age group like I was 
I was playing really well. And then I'll never forget, I broke my collarbone, played footy for school against St. Kevin's, bang, snapped my collarbone. And that pretty much just ruled me out of, um, of this, this tournament. I can remember like when I, as soon as I cracked it and I heard it go, I, I just, I got really emotional because I just thought of, yeah, I I just thought, fuck, I'm going to miss that tournament. Like, and then from there it was sort of tough to get, to get back. Like, yeah, I mean, I play, I played in an Oceania championship in New Zealand when I was out of 15, maybe for the under 17s. Um, so that was probably like the highest level, but. But yeah, like winning winning a national title under sixteens and then that sort of under eighteens heading into that tournament was when I was sort of at my peak and wow. and then from there it sort of fell down and, and pretty I, hard way to go out, mate. Was, like you didn't make that decision yourself because yeah. if, who would have known if you had played in that you can't live in what ifs. Yeah. I never do and I no. hope people don't because it's a horrible place to be. Mm. You're never going to know. Mm. But that essentially was you're like your draft camp. That yeah. Like, if you had it done well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, it's, it was funny because the guy that took my spot, um, Ryan Brockoff, and don't know if you know him, but he was sort of like emergency, but hadn't really kicked on or anything like that. He took my spot. And I think he ended up winning maybe like player of the tournament or something. Yeah. He's ended up playing overseas in Europe and all this, and then ended up on the Dallas Mavericks playing, wow. you know, NBA, like <laughs> just so crazy. Yeah. To, you know, the, nice the for him sliding though. Sliding door. Ryan. And he wouldn't have got that opportunity if I'd, yeah. you know. So it was. Um, You're yeah. a good bloke. <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> yeah, on Ryan. If you're listening, Ryan, just shoot us something, <laughs> mate. Like that. That'd be nice. So, obviously, basketball, you played at elite level. I know mm. you still play now and you absolutely love it. Mm. Um, with footy, though, so you're playing school footy for mm. Brighton Grammar and you're also playing 18s for Sandy Dragons or TOC Cup. Or is it mainly. I, see, I don't really understand. I grew up in, obviously, Shepparton. Yeah. So it was only. Country Bunkin. Brighton Grammar's is least from Wanganuik <laughs> Park Secondary College. I tell you that right now, complete opposite of the world. But yeah. um, we didn't have any school footy, yeah. so like, what did that look like? Yeah, so it was school footy took priority. So yeah. I only played like four games of Sandy Dragons, I think, yeah. in total. If we had a bye or something like that, um, and yeah, school footy, and then like the state carnivals, the national carnivals were really where it was at. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that was my year 11 year at school. I played the under-18s national title for Vic Metro. And then, yeah, we ended up having a big, big tournament. We won it. I won that the Lark medal, best player. Underage. Mm. Wow. And then that was when it all sort of kicked, kicked off, off, you know. And obviously Melbourne having the number one pick. And I was a Melbourne boy and blah, blah, blah. So what was, um, what was that like for, not for your family? Because... Up until that, you were playing multi-sports, you were bottom mm. age. Mm. I can imagine things changed. Yeah, I think... For you and not, like just everything? Yeah, I think at that stage it was still like, how fucking good is this? Yeah. You know, like how good is the journey and, you know, like you're playing as a young kid and... Um, yeah, it's funny, like looking back, I think I was just quite naive because like footy wasn't my life. Like I didn't, I wasn't one of those guys watching footy all weekend yeah. and... And I was just obviously like quite good at it and, you know, enjoyed playing with my mates. Like still to this day, like my year 10 year of playing footy, first 18 footy at school is my, was my most enjoyable footy I've ever played. Like yeah. just nothing even came close. You know, we just had this like camaraderie and mateship and our coach was just pure motivational. Like he didn't really know much about footy. <laughs> Bill Jackson, like 
didn't know much of it. We, it's not as if we're talking structures or you got to be here. It's just like go out there and, and do anything you can to, for your mate, you know. Yeah. And he had, you know, he made us watch Band of Brothers in the preseason. We got our dog tags if we made the first 18. That's cool. It like honestly was the, I would have run through a brick wall for any of those guys. Yeah. And then you get like, you get to AFL level and it's just such a business and it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's really hard to like recreate that at that level. Probably too, when you uh, come in, you're young. Mm. Um, like, you know, before that, what, do you remember the day well, where you were when you got, like, when they called out your name as number one? Like, what, where were you and what did it feel like? Yeah, well, I guess... You knew it was coming. But... Yeah, so they came around, you know, all the D's sort of officials and stuff came around the night before, maybe, or two days before, um, and just sort of let me know and, you know, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And then um, draft day, you actually go into Mar- um, Eddie Had or Marvel or whatever it's called and... They do the draft there, and you get called, and you know up you get. But um, sort of all the official stuff then. But it, it's it was pretty awesome, you know. It was a good yeah. feeling. It was cool. It was like you know I was going back to do year twelve the next year, and I was pl- you know I'm playing AFL footy for the D's, and a lot of my mates are big D supporters. They're like, oh, what's you know Brad Green yeah, and Cam Bruce? Like Cam Bruce has messaged me. Like what the fuck? <laughs> How epic is this? Like you know it was um. It was crazy, like a big whirlwind, and then, you know. So with that, obviously, you've got an MBA now, which is bloody impressive. How hard was it to stay focused that year of year 12? Because you're number one draft pick. Mm. You're set for life. Who oh, needs school? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> that. Yeah, it was... Um, I'm, I'm sure that would have been going through your head. Yeah. And you would have been a rock star. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's not lie. Surely your ego was pretty big then. Oh, God. I hope not. I yeah, hope I know not. you don't. I know you're a very modest person, but it's pretty hard not to be. Mm. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's still, like, to this day, my like biggest regret ever is, like, not playing first 18 footy when I was in year 12. You know, they made so me they didn't play. Let you? No. Okay. It's like, oh, you got to play VFL and you got to get... It's like, fuck. Just let me finish yeah, school, be, you know. Be a kid give, give me that a last year, bit. like yeah. just give me that year. You know, I missed, missed so much that year. Just in terms of, you know, like feeling like a kid graduating. Yeah. It was meant to be one of the best years of your life, and I just missed it all. Um, so that was obviously, you know, the highs and lows. Like you're very, mm. you're very humbled and grateful to be where you are. But then it's so unfair because the one thing you want to sort of probably be doing, you're not allowed to do. Yeah. And I'm sure like it might've been different if I went in and all of a sudden we're playing finals and I'm playing, you know, and I'm yeah. playing well and it's all going well at AFL level. But, but Melbourne junk at that time. And when was, you know, as a, I was a 79 kilo, 17 year old. The wind getting blown over by the wind. Seriously. <laughs> um, what are you weighing in at now, by the way? So 79 back then. Yeah. And I'm at about 95. Now. Okay. So mm. you must've just been all bone. Mm. Yes. Like just, I was still tall, but yeah. I was just lanky and you Mate, know, bone. Yeah, hadn't um, seen a few. So, what was it like walking into Melbourne? Like, did you get a warm reception, or were people like, "Wow, this kid's going to be the savior. He's going to turn us around." Like, do you remember like what <laughs> it was like at the start? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think it was a bit of a, like at the D's at the time. We we're obviously struggling, six million dollars worth of debt, you know. But they would, it was like a big focus on all these young players. Oh, we're just going to draft young and blah blah. And I think what we sort of lost was like how, and this is like as a 17 year old, 18 year old, like I'm not in any of these meetings. I don't see any of this, but like looking back, I get the feeling that we sort of treated the old or the the club treated the older guys not very well. Uh, So then they get a bit disgruntled and then there's, you know, 
And so for me, as like one of the young kids coming in, it's like, you know, it might not have been the case, but you certainly felt a bit of that, like, come on, mate, like, you know, you're meant to be this young yeah. gun and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and if they got a chance to, you know, whatever it might be, at training or, you know, just to sort of let me know that I'm still the young kid. So it was sort of interesting. And then it, as the years went on, it got even worse, I reckon, like, we brought in trainers and Tom Scully and, you know, just all these young guys and we were just treating the young, old blokes like shit, like, yeah. out you go, out you go. And and then, you know, like, we're trying to go out there with a team. That wasn't, that wasn't helping you. like Shocking. Yeah, yeah so it's it actually like, magnifying the issue because like, everything's focused around you and Scully exactly. and... Well, and we got no old blokes, like, carrying the load. Yeah. You know, like, we obviously, we certainly had some great older players who stuck in there and, like did it tough for a number of years just trying to help us um but i remember like when i went to port adelaide and just like you know you got your robbie grays bokies justin westoffs you know these older blokes who are shouldering this tom jones like shouldering the load and then we have a butters dersma rosie come in and in their first year like yeah. just go and play boys like no pressure you know like it's the older guys that have to carry the load. You boys just go and play, whereas we just we never really got that because we we're getting smashed by a hundred points every week. And then it's like, why aren't you playing better? Why the pressure's on? So it was like instant. The whole time I was there, I never felt, I never felt confident, or I never felt like we were, you know. I just felt like the coaches were hating us, and the, yeah. and I was doing the wrong thing, and you know, it's like, yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. What do you? Like, I know you've, you've openly said, and you told me, like, you've had highs and lows in mental health. Mm. And it's understandable going through like that. Did, do you look back on any of them? Like, is there fond memories? Or is it, I don't know, overall, when you look at your Melbourne experience, do you, I don't know, what does that bring up in you? Like, how does it mm. make you feel? If you Do you allow yourself to think about it? Or like, I mean, it's pretty bleak. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking bleak. <laughs> like... You've got great memories, like the little moments, you know, with your teammates and you, because that's what really it's all about for me. It's like, you know, Trenners and Gorney and Luke Tapscott and Mordo and, you know, um, sort of later on, like Harmdy and Angus Brayshaw and Petrarca and that Clayton Oliver, like little moments that are, that were, that are amazing, but you're sort of there to play footy and I was there for what, seven years, I think, and and we were just trashed, like, the whole time. So the whole time. time, you didn't play finals, did you? No, no, we got close. So once Rusey got there, like, things turned around once Rusey got there because he was, he just, like, focused on being good people. Mm. Be, like, live a balanced, like, respectful life and be a good person. And, and then, like, the club sort of started to turn around and we fucking lost to your cousin at <laughs> final round. Collingwood were out of the final race. We just needed to win or, like, be somewhat close. And they'd beaten us by like 28 points or something. Or they'd beaten us by a bit in the last round. Then we had to watch Adelaide go over to West Coast. And West Coast were like the best team in the comp at the time, I think. They rested all their players. And they we just needed them to get within like 24 points. And Adelaide went and pantsed them by like 30. And we missed finals by the smallest margin <laughs> ever in history or something. When things are down, they're down, aren't they? Shocking. So that was like my, my last year at the D's, I think. Or the second last year at the D's. And then... What's that? So I don't even know. How, how did that happen? How did you get to Port Adelaide? Well, we'd sort of spoken about it a lot. Like, while Rusey was there, he was almost like, mate, you just get out of here, you know? like you just... Because he could see, like, it wasn't... 
He just it thought, wasn't serving you what you needed. Exactly. And there was too much damage done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, you know, like, just get away from it. And so we'd sort of spoken about trying to get away to Sydney or, you know, somewhere like a good club where you can, you know, relax a bit. and Melbourne. Like, you're not yeah, the golden we, child from exactly. Melbourne. Gone to Melbourne. Been the saviour. Hasn't worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there social media around big time then? Like, was it sort of just starting to come? Yeah, it was imagine, around. mate, that would have been, mm. that would have been hard. Like, you As in, your, like, the oh, when I was just, younger or... Yeah, just like, like, people are cruel. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I can't, and, and if anyone's listening to this, and you ever have the right to say anything to yeah. anybody, you don't walk into a cafe and say, that's a shit coffee, you barista. <laughs> you can do better than that. We want almond or a soy latte mocha. Like... You don't yeah. go and yell at people, but it's just, I just, I don't like going to the footy yeah. or some sports because no one's got the right to do that. And that's not even at me. Yeah. I, like, how was that for you? Like, oh, yeah. surely it gets enough. Like, yeah. I, I absolutely, like, copped it. Oh, no, I know you did. Constantly, yeah. And just over, but even just social media, Twitter and Instagram and stuff, it's like, like, direct messages, like, you know, like, there you go. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, I sort of got to a point eventually where I just realized like if someone thinks that that's sort of appropriate or if they actually go out of their way to try and to say something like that to someone like they're living a pretty sad life you know and that was sort of the way I dealt with it like changing the narrative yeah it was like, just don't taking that on board exactly because i'm guessing early it, days you could like that's not something you just do yeah i did it pretty quickly yeah. to be honest because if i didn't i was <laughs> fucking yeah well oh, that's that's what i mean mate mm. like it's pretty admirable how long you did play mm. and from that start and i know like, we won't get into your games and things but the way they put you out to dry yeah like mm. i don't know mate it's pretty rough yeah no it was i mean that was my way of dealing with it i just i didn't watch i haven't watched the news in 20 years and I haven't you know like just engaged in any of that stuff or watched any footy shows or anything like that because yeah it's what just, are you scared that something of you might come up or no nah, no nah, just no interest no zero it, interest I mean obviously probably scarred from all that shit and yeah. just it even created like you know drama within my family stuff like with my mum and yeah how, know, like, how did you like I couldn't imagine, it's hard enough for you going through it. Mm. And then your parents, like, they want to protect you. Yeah, well, and like that's the thing. And then as a young so kid... That's so unfair, mate. Mm, as a young kid, I'm like, Mom, fuck off. Yeah. Like, just stop, like, just turn the... Like, I can't come home from school and the radio's on and she's got SEN she's got... And she never used to watch anything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's... and But we just went like this because she couldn't understand why that... Why, it was really hurting me that she'd listen to all this shit. Yeah. Because I know it's all negative shit. And yeah. so, and I'm like, You've, you're fucking leaning into it. But she's doing it because she loves me yeah. and she cares for me and she wants to take care of me and look after me. And she couldn't understand why I couldn't understand that. So it just, you know, it was so, you know, I moved out of home at 19 as soon as I could. Did you, because I know like a lot of, when country boys come down, they get billeted out. Mm. I'm guessing there was no billeting out from a bloke that lived in Sandy. Like, so, so what happened then? Like, no, just, I bought a place and, and just moved in. Yeah. Um, so that was needed more of a necessity to have your own space to yeah. get away from, yeah, just because it wasn't working at home. Yeah. 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 Just like me and mum were having a tough time. Like, yeah. and as soon as I got out, it, we had a, our relationship got a lot better, you know, uh -huh. but. Um, 
but yeah, it's just it's just like the last thing you want to do. You've had a fucking shit week, and you know, and then you come home and like your mum instead of asking, you know, hey, do you want to go to this or how? It's like, what did Dean Bailey say? I heard on the radio. That- <laughs> whatever it's like fuck I don't care like I just you know it's like any anyone, but like she was so into it and like it because she was like she was nervous and she was felt because I'm getting fuck, everyone's just saying how shit I was you know it's going to affect her yeah. too and it, it like rattled her big time um, so she then it was almost like it went up a gear because she had to know everything that everyone was saying and you know you know, and she's like a nervous wreck at the footy. You know, she'd have the radio in, and so yeah, it just created a bit of bit of drama there. So I'm bloody happy to be done, be done with, with it. That. So yeah. obviously, mental health is such a big thing these days, which is amazing. What was it like, and what was the support like when you were going through all this, or through your whole career? Were, yeah. Was there anything yeah, like, like uh, as strange as it sounds? Like I didn't have. Um, like we had our moments where you know but I guess I just you know and this is what I spoke about earlier it's like I just kept leaning on my mates you know I had like an incredible friendship group who didn't give a fuck about what I was doing on a Friday or Saturday night like playing you know it's like they just wanted to play NBA 2K and (laughs) and FIFA manager mode with me and you know go down to the supermarket and buy a block of chocolate and watch a fucking movie you know like so so when things sort of got tough like that's sort of where I went. And I think as well, like a lot of the guys, when they get into a footy club, it's like your footy mates are, are your best mates. Yeah. Whereas, and whether, again, whether or not it helped me or not, like it'd be interesting, like ask a few of my past teammates and stuff. I'm sure they'd probably say the same thing, but I sort of detached from them a fair bit. Like I, I just wanted to get away from footy as much as possible because it was fucking terrible, you know? So I'd, I would focus on getting away and going to my other mates. Like I'd rather be with them than with the footy boys because yep. you're always going to be in that space when you... They probably resented that a little bit yeah. too in a way. Oh, he's too good for us? Yeah, you think, definitely. Oh, or like a bit sketchy, a bit yeah. flaky. You know, like what's yeah. the guy? I'd always say that he's going to do this and you know, then he's off with his other mates sort of thing. So I understand that, but um, it was just something I preferred to do because I was, I was over... The footy talk and the foot, you know, nonstop. Everything, twenty four seven. So I know you like don't listen to footy or like you, you still go a little bit every now and then. But when you think back to your time at Melbourne, like what what's your feeling? Like true reflection. Do you have remorse? Are you sad? Are you no. proud? Like what? Yeah, no, no remorse or yeah. no like sadness or like oh my, it's like career didn't go how I wanted it to go. Yeah. You know. Um, like, it certainly wasn't, yeah, it, it was a tough period because, like, I was used to being the best player and winning everything and having a fucking great time and, you know, like, people saying good things about you. Like, that's what I'm used to. And then, all of a sudden, for seven years, people are saying shit things about you constantly and you're never good enough and nothing was enough and you weren't tough enough and you're not good enough at this and you don't want it enough and you don't work hard enough, you know. And so it's it was hard, like, mate. yeah, so... <laughs> But I look back on it and I go, you know what? I fucking gave it everything I had. I worked my ass off. I know that. Yes, I didn't. I didn't commit in a way. Like I look back now and I look at the LeBron James's and the, you know, the dedication that some people have towards their craft. I wasn't one of those pe- people. Yeah. 
whether that was because like I think if things went well yeah. early on good experience early on good experience normally makes a difference it would make such a difference because you're like that's I'm, I crave that now yeah. I just want to I just want to play in those big games I want to play finals I want to you know I want that but it didn't really happen for me and then yeah it was sort of like alright get through this you know so it become like a job that you didn't like. Like, like. And people could probably relate to that. Yeah. I bet people, when they think about it, like, oh, yeah, whatever, you're a big, you're a rock star, do you know what I mean? Like, you're getting paid mm. a lot of money, you get mm. to live the life, but it doesn't mean you love it. No, no. Mm. And I didn't love it for the last, you know, 10 years of my career. Mm. What about, so obviously, leaving Melbourne, going to Adelaide, fresh start, you said the culture was better. Um, you know, you instantly saw that and felt it. Yeah. What was it like going from Melbourne to live in Adelaide? Was it probably... Just a nice change. Yeah, yeah. It was just more relaxed, yeah. and there was much senior, more senior list over there. And Kenny was great, and you know that first preseason was amazing. Like I just thought, fuck, this is what footy's meant to be yeah, like. Yeah. And you know, I was dominating preseason, played well in preseason games. First game, we smacked Frio at Adelaide Oval, and I kicked three and had twenty, and kicked three goals four or something. I was like, fuck. I'm just going to do that every week. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I fucked my ankle in that first game and then I was getting jabs every training, every game. Yep, to, to just to run. Just to get out, yeah, get up for yeah. training, get up for games and then ended up having surgery at the end of that year because I had a cracked little bone spur in there. And then I had the drama, you know, with all the messages and that came out. So do people, I don't want to go into that because mm. it's been thing. But do people bring that up, sort of stuff, with you? Like, not as much anymore, yeah, but which is good. Yeah, like people make mistakes. Yeah, but again, you're in the limelight when it happens. Yeah, yeah, no, that. I mean, when you talk about mental health and and that was the lowest. That was yeah, that was the worst. You know, how did you how months. did you deal with it? Not very well. Yeah. I just remember crying myself to sleep every night, and I was staying. I was staying at her place and then got kicked out and so I went and stayed at my best mate's Mitchie's and um, I was just on like a blow up mattress on the floor and I just remember like I barely left that bed for five, six days and then, and like, yeah, the depths you sort of go to and the, where, you, where your mind goes, you know, yeah. like your life's over, yeah. done. Yeah. Like, you're, I'm never going to get ever get another girlfriend ever yeah. again. Like, who's, who the fuck's going to ever want to be with me? Like, I'm never gonna get a job. Like if I if I ever apply for a job, like they're just gonna look at this shit and they're gonna go, "What? No way!" Yeah. You know, my family and your friends, like they're all gonna fucking think I'm a, you know. So that was like, yeah, that was like um, when I sort of had some understanding of like mental health struggles. You, you could see that that was you're right in the thick of it there. Yeah. Like you're in the bog. They say mm. like in, when you're bogged. When they say you're like bogged. you just feel like like hopeless yep. like that's really what it was for a good sort of week and a half two weeks like just couldn't see any you know just crying yeah. and like just crying's good sometimes but not when it's constant and there's no way out yeah. where how, how did port help you through that were they, were they supportive or they they were great yeah. yeah they were really good you know like um yeah chris davies over there is just one of the great men um football operations manager and um, him and Kenny were, were just very supportive and you'll get through it and you know we'll take care of you and stuff so so there that was sort of year two and then like obviously after something like that you fucking knuckle down and I'd train my ass off and 
you know, it's very quiet all preseason. Got into had a, having a really good year. Won our first game against the D's on the G when they were meant to be pretty good. I played well. Second game, Carlton were up by twenty points the very third quarter and snapped my leg and dislocated my ankle and. That, that's that, basically sort of it, wasn't that was it? That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah so. Sort of like the uh, the basketball collarbone, yeah. where you made Rob yeah. or whatever Robert or whatever his name was. Yeah. Sort of ended it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I still had hopes of coming back and whatnot, but I probably didn't realise like at twenty nine or whatever I was, and like, yeah, it was a pretty serious injury. Like he, the surgeon said he hadn't seen anything like it from a from a football field. It was more like a car crash, you know, like. I'd somehow like snap my leg, but then also dislocate my ankle and then ruptured every ligament in my ankle. So needed sort of three surgeries to to get it back to normal, and then you know, and then you're still sort of battling from there. So, and then the following year was COVID, and you know they basically had a squad of like 26 or something that was traveling, and the rest of us like I was. So you were just stuck in Adelaide. Just stuck in Adelaide with like 15 other blokes oh. and like training, like no games and. So it was sort of like, fuck it. You know, you're you're, you're ready on. to come home? Yeah, I was just done, so. But yeah, so it was just, you know, that's, if I'm looking at my career and I'm looking at, you know, it just didn't, it just wasn't meant to be, you yeah. know, it didn't, and the one, you know, the one thing you look at, you just, I just didn't even get a chance at, at a good environment or a good. At a young age, a, when you were ready just, to go, yeah, like you were primed. Just give me one chance yeah. at, at a finals campaign or something, but you know. Not everyone can get that, and you still had a very good career. It's just because there's, there was so much pressure on you that mm. you may not feel that. I think what's the average AFL career? Yeah, it'd be like ten or twenty games, even if you yeah. get a game. Yeah, I mean it's hard because you look at it. and I go, "Fuck!" I was given first fifty, and then probably played another, sh- you know, hundred shit ones, and it's like, <laughs> "Fuck!" What does it leave? You're a bit hard on yourself, mate. Ten, <laughs> but you know. It is what it is, and and you know I, I think like what I look back on and I say like I treated everyone as fucking well as I possibly could. Like if you ask any of the fans or if you ask supporters or yeah, a few of them might have been a bit fucking pissed off with how I was playing, but <laughs> yeah. if they ever met me, if they ever saw me, I've never you know like I treated everyone, you know as well as I possibly could, and I you know that's sort of something I can hold pretty pretty dear. I reckon you can. What what did you learn more about yourself from that whole journey? Like, because when you think about it, it's going to be a, I don't know, one tenth of one seventh, one eighth of your life. Yeah. And if you look at it, it's not a very long period of time. Mm. I know when you're caught up in something, and people can relate to this listening, that it feels like it's all that matters and there's nothing yeah. else going on and my life's, this is all I'm going to remember for it mm. and things like that. Like, what, what do you reckon you learn about who you are as an individual from that? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty bloody resilient. I'll tell you um, are too, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think, like, just making a lot of mistakes, and I learned from a lot of them. Um, but just, you know, like, being being the person that you are, you know, like, sticking true to who you are. I'm, you know, like, they just kept wanting to, me to be this big, tough thing, and it's just the furthest thing from what I am. I'm a big, soft teddy bear who... <laughs> <laughs> who loves everyone and just wants to cuddle and you know if that doesn't suit your fucking footy team then I don't care like yeah. fuck off um, <laughs> you know honestly like <laughs> I just remember like I we did this army camp this fucking like 
just arcade fucking thing at Melbourne and we had to give we're in, in teams green, white, blue, red, whatever didn't even have names you know green G2 green 2 and yeah. blah 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 it was like the most just the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> and we had to give out we had to give feedback to two of our players and the, you got to give feedback to the two worst people wow good for building our confidence great for building confidence isn't yeah. it we got these two like this is the hardest thing I've ever done like don't you don't sleep for three days you non-stop like physical activity for it's three like days like SAS so yeah, like it was, it was it was fuck yeah <laughs> I've got these two 17-year-olds who have just been drafted two weeks before. Yeah. This is the hardest thing I've ever done, and I was in year seven of my AFL career. These guys are battling along, and so I've got up and I said, look, you know, um, flip up, lock your Phil Povey, like, mate, you're giving it everything a lot, but, you know, you're just, your fitness base just isn't quite there at the moment. And, you so know. you did it nice. Yeah, like, yeah. As That's I'm, very nice. of course I'm going to do it. Because like, <laughs> he, well, he was trying his heart out. Yeah. <laughs> And the bloke, I just, Mr. Wolf or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> you go, oh, Green 2, you live in fucking Duna land, mate. You are kidding yourself. You can't give direct feedback. You blah, blah, blah. I was like, mate, I'd rather live in fucking Duna land than whatever fucking hell that you're in yeah. your whole entire life, you know? like, And that was like a big sort of wake-up call for me. I was like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Like, I'm not about this life of like being tough and you know faking it until you think that's what they want and blah blah you're sort of very progressive to be honest because now if you look at sport and coaching yeah like you're probably 10 years too early mate i know like i know you look at what it's all about now and it's about having connections being kind to people being good person looking after yourself i feel like when i got there it was like they were sort of starting trendsetter they were starting to talk like that (laughs) okay yeah i started to try and say this is why we'll treat you all very differently because you're all individuals and we love everyone. But then if you're not like the way that I am as the coach, like you're a fucker. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Did, uh, did you get many good sledges over the years? Do you, you have one, like one good one that was funny? No. Not really. Just I can't mean. even remember. Oh, no, like, they're not obviously that good then. We're so far behind. Yeah. Like we're just getting smashed. Like people probably felt, actually felt sorry for yeah, you. Seriously. Yeah. Like it was more like, yeah, they're not going to come at us because, you know, so let's talk back year twelve, when people are talking about what career they want. Right. No more footy. Yeah. Fuck footy. <laughs> no, no. But I think it's interesting. Yeah, and it's I, a big I, part of it. It is a big part of who you are at the moment. And I think mm. it's a big part of why I was gravitated to you as a person. You meet a lot of people, mate. I'll be brutally honest here. To see how happy and kind to people you were and just warm, mm. I was like, wow, this guy's had every opportunity not to be like that, be resentful and things like that. Mm. So you should really be proud of that because, you know, from what I saw and I'm sure everyone else in the media, mate, that it's pretty tough going for you, buddy. Yeah. So I guess, I think to learn that you're resilient, but that you also stuck to what your parents ingrained in you as a kid. Yeah. Like, and you've still got that now probably tenfold. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, like, once I got out of it, how much I could even open up more and be myself because I'm no longer feeling like this responsibility how big was the act. weight how oh, big was that weight it was like honestly no do not best feeling ever yeah was, <laughs> which you shouldn't really you know when you're finishing yeah. you're most people are like i was like just get me out of here. you want to give them a speech you want to say goodbye nah i'm gone book me a ticket yeah. yeah so when you're near 12 everyone's thinking about what they want to do you've already got your career Mm. Um, so obviously I know you studied, you got your MBA, which is amazing. Um, you also, and we are, this show is sponsored by obviously our two brands, My Sugar Life and your squash clothing. 
fantastic clothing mm. line that is doing really, really well. Mm. Um, how did that come about? And did you ever think to yourself when you're near 12 that you'll be going to running a clothing business, mm. dominating Australia of two of your best mates? No, <laughs> definitely Funny not. Funny that. Funny um, that. I was, always, I was always pretty interested in doing other stuff and getting involved. And um, one of my mates, Adam Walsh, who's my partner, he's he was always very, very um, entrepreneurial and... and um, he was, you know, bringing in little little bikes from China and selling them off when we bring them over here. He'd bring in gym gear from China, selling for a profit. He was the guy buying slabs on bulk and taking them to school and selling them for a dollar fifty a can oh, and yeah. making, you know, he just he he had this brain where he was, you know, you could see he was going places. So when I got drafted, you know, you get a bit of cash. I sort of said to him, look, we should, you know, should we think about doing something? So, yeah, it sort of just went from there. So, from and, day... So I've, I've interrupted a lot, but I'm really intrigued with this. So, from day one... Yeah. So, it took... Because it didn't... It hasn't been around that long. Yeah, well, it's... I think we're about nine, eight years or something now. So yeah. So, it was sort of... When I first got into footy, we sort of would have started having conversations and we went through a whole number of different sort of ideas. But, but yeah, so we're coming up on eight years. So, what's that, 24? three I reckon so yeah probably four or five years into my career we actually got something started um but you know how long it you know when you're having a few beers and the yeah, talk yeah. of well let's start a business yeah. like we would have had thousands of those um and then yeah sort of he obviously got through his uni and got a job and then started making a bit of money and then he was in a position to be able to do it too so and then we brought on our designer Jack Turner, the the great stubby, and um, and uh, yeah, here here we are. But I mean, it was a good way for me to be able to use my profile, and and yeah. so that was sort of ha- my value in the beginning was to be playing footy and to get it into the media, and you know, Jackie Epstein's done an amazing job for us at Herald Sun, and all the radio stations were great, and the footy show got us on, and. So, you know, not many brands have that capability to, you know, get their brand out there like that. Um, and now, you know, I'm, I'm sort of working there full time. And So what, what does a day-to-day look like for you? Head of sales? Head of have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. head yeah. of sales. So just, I basically run our wholesale business. So deal with all our independent stores around the country and then we're starting to get into some nice big majors. Which you are. Is, which is exciting. So that's sort of the um, the goal over the next sort of twelve months. Really try and build that wholesale base, and yeah. So it's basically you know it's relationships, really, isn't it? It's yeah. like getting to know people, using your networking to find the person who makes the decisions at these big stores, and um, and you know, meanwhile, sort of keeping everyone happy that you've already got, and managing those relationships and expectations, and. And it's exciting. It's just fun. Like we're just going from strength to strength, you know. Ah, like, yeah. We've probably I've probably been there now for sort of a year and a half, two years, pretty solid full time. Do you enjoy it? Like I love it. Yeah, yeah it's good, and it, it's also like you know we've got a pretty good balance in there too. Like I've you know I hear about people going to work nine to five. You get, they get a half an hour break, and it's you know it's more like eight to six for a lot of them. Um, like I just would. Yeah, like kill me. You know, like, I just couldn't do that. So, but that's my personality type as well. Like, I'm not someone who can sit at a desk for. I fucking just would go mad. So, you know, I get in there. We have a nice little coffee. We 
to have a good chat, get into sort of a couple of hours of solid work in the morning and then we'll all go to either go to the gym, BFT in the, in the gym or me and Stubby will go for a run or um, something like that. So that's sort of an hour at least and then you might get a bit of lunch and, you know, and then get back in the office, do another few hours and then, and then we're done, so... And you don't work Fridays, four-day four week. I'm a big fan of this, mate. I don't, know, it's a lot of, I don't know if you've looked into it, but a lot of research coming out oh, about it. Honestly, it's like, it's the day where I get my washing done, I clean <laughs> the house. Like, I need this stuff. Like, if I've got a dirty bedroom or something, like, I'll I'll be stressed for, like, the weekend. Well, it builds anxiety. It and, really does. Yeah, it yeah. does. And, like, especially if it's dirty once you get to Monday... You're, you're screwed because <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like I don't, you don't have time. You're out the door at 7.30 and you're getting back most nights at eight o'clock or whatever if you go and see someone or go out for dinner or whatever. And you just like, the last thing you want to do is do a load of washing and, you know, vacuum the floor. So, um, you know, it's like the Friday's my sort of, when most other people are, you know, I guess they're working and um, that's like my day just to get my life fucking sorted because... If it's not, then I get a bit scattered. Fair enough. I understand that. And I suppose the other thing is people are probably wondering, must be pretty cool rocking into work with two of your best mates every day. Like, mm. that's, I'm sure it's got its challenges as yeah. well. Like, I'm not yeah. going to lie and say everything's amazing, yeah. but on a whole, it's a pretty good setup, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, as you said, it certainly has its challenges. And, <laughs> and um, you know, while she and Stubby would attest to that, no doubt working with me is, wouldn't be the easiest thing. But um, but it's amazing, you know, like, and in, in the scheme of things, like, we've probably, you know, yeah, we've had a couple of Barneys, but, um, you know, things are, things are um, pretty sweet for us, the three of us that are still there. We're all working together. We're all happy. We get to, you know, live a pretty good life and... And, like, it's so motivating because we've all got a part of the business. So it's sort of like you've got that extra bit of motivation. It's not like you're just going there for a paycheck. It's yeah. like, what can we turn this into? Like, that's the... Exciting. That's, that's the exciting yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, shit, you just want to see it grow and grow. And, you know, something comes through. We get a big deal and it's like, you you contributed to that because you created the pitch deck that we took in there. And, Walsh, you fucking know everything about the business and smash that pitch out of the park. And then... You know, I was the idiot who went in there and fucking made him laugh. And, you know, like it's um, it's just very exciting. It's a great sort of atmosphere. And, and the more it grows, you know, we bring more people into the team. And that's exciting because you get new personalities. I love being around people. And, um, yeah, it's great. I And if you are watching, obviously, our, our Instagram, you'll see that uh, each episode will have different squash gear on that's been yeah. provided by Jack. And obviously, got a hooder on. I've got a rip snorter on today, which Get is absolutely Great quality clothes. So go and check that out, squash as well. Now, obviously, we're coming towards the end of the interview. I think we've summed up your life pretty well. And one of the questions was, I wanted to know was, what you're most proud of. But I think you've summed that up really well. Um, mm. And I think I sort of said from an outside point of view from what I've seen of you. So don't change the person you are, mate, because or what's happened. I think it's a great sign of being a super resilient person and controlling what you can control. Mm. Uh, but what is something people may not know about you? Because you've been in the you've been in the spotlight from a young age. You were that rooster mm. from Brighton. You won the award as the best baby. <laughs> what a load of shit. <laughs> I'll just double, double, double check on yeah, okay, cool. lady. So but. what's something people may not know about you? Oh, your NBA, mate. I know you're very proud of that. Mm. Talk us about that. Oh, look, I battled through that <laughs> and had a lot of help from the boys that I did it with. But um, 
But yeah, got through an MBA, which uh, you know I never thought that I could say that I could do that. That's for sure. I think the extent of my studying at school was, you know, writing a couple of notes, heading into an exam. Like that was about as as long as I could sit down at a table at that age, you know, and, and study as per, per se. So to get through an MBA, I was pretty proud of it because. I'd started a few other little degrees and stuff. But what, just, were, what were they, sorry? What, oh, what I'd do, a, a property degree, okay, yeah. you know, um, business degree early on. Dry? Dry. And just <laughs> boring. I'm like, what am I doing this for? Like, I could be outside like, playing golf or, you know. So, um, so, yeah, to actually stick at it and get through it was, was um, you know, very proud of that. But what, what don't you know? I mean, I... I I think a lot of people just probably don't really know the the big soft teddy bear that I am, you know, like I love movies, I love musicals, you know, like musical theatre and singing and dancing is like just something that I admire that people can do, you know, like probably how some people admire sport. Yeah. I've got zero ability in both those areas, like people who can sing, people who write music, people who can sing and dance and put it on a stage, like sort of on my bucket list one day is to be in like a musical theatre show you know like just I don't care if I'm holding the little tree branch in the back corner but just like that adrenaline of like oh, as a team supporting each other and going out and putting on this performance like it's something that that really gets me going I mean I've seen Lion King three times the musical I've seen Book of Mormon three times New York London Melbourne um, you know, you name it, I've sort of seen it because I just, I love it so much. So, little things like that, I guess. I like that. And I was surprised. I, you know, I don't judge people, but I didn't expect that when you said you were going to see whenever I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> no worries. I was like, well, he did go to Brighton Grammar. I was like, there's going to be something there. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, if you could go back to that 18-year-old Jack and from everything you've gone through and give mm. yourself one bit of advice from your life. You know, when you were, you know, you just mm. turned 18, March 22nd, I think your birthday is. Is that correct? March 26th. 26th on 24th. So two, <laughs> two days. March 26th, when you were playing for Melbourne, you are doing year 12 at school. Mm. And if you could go back and give yourself one bit of advice from your journey so far, what would that be? <sighs> Don't nominate for the draft. That's the following <laughs> year, you idiot. Um, no, I'd probably, uh, look, in, in all honesty, like the way I, I see it all is like, it's all been a journey and, and I needed to go through all of it to get to where I am now. Like if I didn't, if I didn't cop the shit I copped, I wouldn't, you know, I might be some fucking brat little, you know, punk who thinks he's that good. And if I went and won a flag and did this, like, or if I didn't go through the hard times and learn the lessons I learned, you know, in terms of relationships and, you know, like if, if it didn't happen to that extent or to that magnitude, then I wouldn't have learnt the lesson as strongly as I did, you know? So just, just live, just get after it every day and, you know, go through your journey and learn from your mistakes and have fun. It's what my dad would always say, get out there, have fun, be nice to people, you know, treat people well, um, and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Great advice. And you know, I, that's if there's a catch from today's show, that's it. Mm. So when it's all said and done, like what what when people say Jack Watts, what do you want to be remembered for? Like how would you like people to see the person or your life or the impact you had on others? What mm. what do you want them to maybe say? Your slogan, your tagline. 
Oh, probably geez. something you haven't thought about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'm giving you some deep questions. <laughs> really looking forward to next yeah, week. Yeah, I'm coming at you. Yeah, I bet you are. I'm coming at you with everything. Um, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, like, as simple as it is, it's like I, I'd love for people just to say, like, Jack was, you know, the most friendly, generous uplifting you know like made made other people around him feel better about themselves you know like so many people struggle just in life and i've been blessed to have a fucking good life and i've you know i you know probably don't have as many challenges as a lot of people it's like if i can help you know one person feel a bit more confident or comfortable in a in a public setting or a social setting or a on their own or give them a bit of motivation or support them when they're down or be there for them you know like that's that's what i want to want to do and i think we spoke about a little bit like um in the first episode but like for me it's like when i'm living a healthy lifestyle and and a like in a good spot myself i just notice like that opens up tenfold of those opportunities like i can actually give myself to others and i can be there for others whereas when I'm being a bit of a piece of shit, like I can tend to be and, you know, partying or whatever, or unhealthy lifestyle or not getting enough sleep, or whatever. It's like, you really limit that. And it's sort of, that's, you know, it takes some people a bit longer to grow up than others. And it's taken me a fucking long time to grow up, I can tell you. But I can relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that. Next <laughs> but I feel like I'm slowly getting there now. It's like, you know, starting to understand what, is important to me and what is yeah so it's not perfect but you know i want to be there for my friends and family and be a good brother and friend and mate and partner eventually yeah well hopefully you know sharing your story like we have today can help somebody out there and i'm sure it will and i think that's one of the reasons we both love podcasting and probably excited for this journey and i'm excited to go deeper with you and interview other people and things like that because i really enjoyed that today and just to i sort of had a really good understanding of who you were but i think you've just really magnified that for me um so mate yeah as i said hats off from the battering that you've had in your life um if anybody can take anything away from it that don't let other people dictate how you want to live your life or don't let their words or their expectations bring you down mm. um, and, and you haven't mate so um continue doing that so that's episode two. If uh, you've listened to this today, and obviously we're just starting out, um, so if you haven't followed us on Instagram, um, the Overlook Side Podcast underscore, uh, but also if you've listened to today's episode and you know it's, it's been really powerful, there's so many different takeaways in it. Please share it with someone. You know, it's I think it's like buying someone a coffee or sending them a book and say, hey, I listened to this today. I recommend it for you. I'd do exactly the same thing. So. Did I miss anything, Jacko? Is there anything you'd like to finish off? Because today is your episode, my friend. No, no, I thought you were incredible. Thank you for being an incredible interviewee. Um, interviewer? Interviewer? I'll take either. I'm, mate, I'm, <laughs> I don't have an MBA. I'm only I'm a school teacher and I battled to get through that. But uh, <laughs> no, I was just going to say from coming off last week, you know, it was amazing just the amount of people that messaged me yeah. and said, oh, listen to your podcast. I was like, fuck, we just got in here and spoke a couple of words. It was a bit rough and... Um, you know, it's just, it's cool to see that people are actually interested and hopefully we can, you know, bring a bit of, a bit of fun and a bit of vulnerability and, um, you know, looking forward to delving a bit deeper with you next week, but then also sort of getting into like specific little issues and 
seeing where our brains go and, and then obviously bringing on some guests. Very exciting, so. Episode two done. Um,